0: Hey everybody, this is Josh here. I just uh, wanted to jump in real quick here uh, from the future of this episode. And you know, uh, we did have some minor uh, technical difficulties with the internet. Uh, Not sure what happened. We both have uh, respectable Wi-Fi and sit pretty close to our routers, uh, respectively. Uh, But for whatever reason it gets kind of choppy in parts. And uh, for that we apologize. And uh, all we can say is uh, that we need to uh, very spectrum and let them know it's their fault uh but we hope you enjoyed the episode anyways uh we really had a lot of fun uh, making it thanks uh, and uh let's start the show
1: hey guys this is gail kim from impact wrestling and you are listening to the 8-bit suplex podcast
0: here uh releasing on our normal time this week last week was a little bit busy uh both for me and of course for code gaviria x sandy gaviria how are you doing this <laughs> week sandy
1: i'm good josh how are you
0: I, uh, you know i can't complain work's been a little hectic but you know what we got impact wrestling we got a special uh you know it's october now so we're gonna be talking about uh, one of the best uh, horror franchises to ever be made, and that's Capcom's Resident Evil series, Uh, if you didn't catch that from the lead-in. Before we get to that, you know, there was a lot happening here on Impact this week, getting us set up for Bound for Glory, which is now uh, just about uh, a week away. Um, Man, it it feels like just yesterday we were talking about, Sandy, how we didn't know how they were going to fill this six-week gap uh, that they rocked out with, uh, for of for Glory, but we're just about there.
1: We are there and I am, I am freaking excited. Are we still doing the get together or what?
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I, I got the, the clearance, uh, from, uh, Colleen. So, uh, you know, party at my house, uh, unless Jeremy wants oh. to open up the dojo. Um, but you know, if we do it at my house or at the dojo, uh, perhaps there will be uh, homemade cookies That we've mentioned uh, on this podcast previously for all those that attend. Uh, That's not an open invite to the listeners. I'm sorry. I don't trust y'all. Sorry, guys. I know Sandy Sandy washes her hands. I know Logan mostly washes his hands. So I think it'll be okay uh, to have certain people. mostly. I mean, you know, hygiene is important. But uh, anywho, Sandy, uh, you know, we start off uh, this week's Impact Wrestling with one of our favorite segments. The Moose Chronicle. So
1: before we get started, I actually do want to tell you guys a story. I don't know if you guys remember last week, I talked about how Logan and I got to meet Moose while training at the Lethal Academy. Um, like I always want to plug them. Great school. Jay Lethal is a class act when it comes to uh, coaching us and training us to be pro wrestlers. So we got to meet Moose. He was, he was a personality man. He taught, uh, got to teach us a lot about selling and registering and giving us his thoughts about, you know, wrestling and, Logan apparently asked him, "Like, hey, hey, Moose. So, how did you get, you know, how did you get inspiration for your character? Where, where did, where did Moose come from?" The man's response was just, "A um, Moose." <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that is just such an amazing story that Logan and I will just never forget. The man is Moose. There's nothing that you can you can say about it. It's he's, he's Moose.
0: No, I 100% agree with that uh, assertion. I mean, yeah, you can. I I almost I I can't think of you know a better name uh, for that character for that persona um, than what he portrays on the screen because uh, I mean he's obviously he's huge, um, and you know what? I, I mean it takes a lot to take him down you know just like a, a moose would. I don't I mean I don't hunt. I make that assumption about a real life moose, uh, but yeah. from what I understand, they're they're very large creatures with very thick skin, um, so. Uh, but apparently uh, this moose uh, on impact can have some thin skin sometimes uh, as we've seen over the last past few weeks that EC3 is, you know, kind of getting in there and messing with his head. Um, and I thought this was kind of a pretty funny back and forth uh, with Scott Demore, more uh, where he's, you know, he's like, I, you know, why are you letting this happen? why do I have this match in an undisclosed location? And Scott Demore basically is like, what do you, you think that I'm the crazy one? You have lost your title. You didn't win. And you're trying to chase down a wrestler that doesn't work here at a location that you don't know where it is. And I'm the crazy one. Got it. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so funny. Scott DeMortis is just over. It. He's like, I am too. I have other shit going on. This is too much.
0: Yeah, it was great. Uh, I thought like that back and forth. And then uh, I believe we get another EC3 projection uh, promo here. And then uh, Moose says, I know where to go. So foreshadowing a little bit there.
1: Yeah, we, we saw the show the same way we all ended. And of course, we'll get to that. What I thought was funny about this, the EC3 was again holding the title. Didn't he throw it over the bridge last week? What happened there? He
0: did. He did. We see a lot of that title that went over the bridge uh, last week, Sandy.
1: Yeah, we uh, what? <laughs> Why would you throw it over the bridge and then you, you have to go get it again and then continue this torment? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, right. it together.
0: Yeah, he throws it over the bridge. Is oh, are we clear? We cut. Okay, good. I gotta go get that now. <laughs> let
1: me let me go ahead and grab it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean he doesn't have a he doesn't have a young boy to uh send down there uh, to go and grab it. Um, but of course that all happens before our intro uh music for Impact uh, hits. Uh, and then when we come out of that, we start right away with some action, uh, which I always like to see. And we get our uh, match that they advertised last week for the three-way knockouts tag match between the teams of Rosemary and Taya, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steels, and of course, Havoc and Nevaeh. Uh, what were your thoughts here, uh, Sandy, kind of in general?
1: So, I feel like, you know, they gave it their all. This match, this tag match to me was not as great as last week's tag match. Last week's tag match, like we discussed, Josh, was just almost five stars. They gave it their all. It was nearly perfect. Uh, this one, we, we did see a lot. Of, not a lot. We, we saw a couple of spots that just didn't go quite as planned. Mm. It didn't look quite as crisp. Um, didn't look like a real matchup. It was more like, okay what are moves, what are we doing here? So I didn't really um, I did last week, but I did. I do know that they gave it their all. Uh, we actually end the match with Rosemary uh, getting the pin on Tasha Steele. And to me, the talents, the, the top stars for this match were, of course, Tasha Steele. She was really giving it in there with her personality, with her moveset, really kind of getting in. She felt very comfortable in her character, in her, in her moveset, in herself. And, and same with Hogan. You know, they were they were my top performers for this match here.
0: Yeah, you know, as far as, like, an overall team, I, I think they definitely performed a lot better than the other teams. Uh, Rosemary was a little bit more sloppy than she was last week. I don't know what, what you can mm-hmm. attribute to that. There's some really weird sloppy roll-up attempts by uh, Nevaeh at the beginning of this with Rosemary. Yeah. It didn't really click didn't well. It did for me. And then, you know, it, there's the spot towards the end where Taya does a crossbody to the outside. And nobody oh my God, catches she her. Ate it. Nobody catches her. No. There's three people Dude, out there, and none of them decide they're gonna that. catch her. I thought I thought she was, was, was gonna tough. come up with some color. I I really did. I thought she busted her mouth. I like so
1: me too. But, she, and she landed right on the like the concrete or the whatever the steel. Yeah, ramp. The, right. The ramp. Man.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ooh, you know, okay. obviously some of that, some of what that ramp is, is kind of work, right? I mean, it's kind of hollow. It's kind of it makes a great sound, but it doesn't feel good. Uh, you hit your face on anything. it doesn't feel no. good, sandy. You know you <laughs> you can sure. hit your face, you can hit your face flush on a mattress and it would still hurt pretty bad, right? Because you know you got yeah. your nose and your teeth and you know so I don't know it didn't really work. I mean, we get a pretty nice exploder suplex from Rosemary to take to Hogan about midway through the match. Uh, and then she does hit the uh, the spear and then uh, hits her finisher uh, over uh, Tasha Steeles, um, which really all that really kind of sets up is uh, whether or not we're going to see uh, Havoc help Rosemary bring back Father John Mitchell uh, to officiate her wedding, which we now find out is October 27th, um, which is, the of course, the impact following Bound for Glory um a, a lot of weird stuff going on uh with some of the supernatural stuff with with uh rosemary of course you know she's teleporting around backstage uh you know hey listen if you can teleport backstage sandy i want to see you teleport in the ring
1: yeah i mean i i give props to to impact for trying with this rosemary character but i don't know it's whatever to me
0: <laughs> yeah same mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's october it's uh it's halloween it's you know we're going to ramping up the spooky, I guess, for that time frame. Um, but, you know, I mean, they're not even doing like a special wedding on Halloween. That would have been the thing to do, right? I mean, I get that it's a different night of the week. That would have been cool. But that would have been like, oh, yeah, the demon the demon assassin, Rosemary, gets married on Halloween because of course she does. Right? Not October 27th. Nobody cares about October 27th. Apologies <laughs> if that's your birthday, anyone listening. I don't, I mean. Oh, way to go, guys.
1: Uh, maybe not.
0: You know what? I'm turning heel on October 27th. That day can go to hell. Um, oh, no. Yeah, I said it. I said it. No, but yeah, it was an okay uh, okay match. Um, what was interesting, too, was following the uh, the aftermatch there, we do get an announcement that at Bound for Glory, there is going to be the Call Your Shot gauntlet match um, at Bound for Glory. And I only bring that up now because we do have a uh, match in this show that has implications towards that. Um, But before that, of course, we have some more wedding party stuff, and we'll just kind of gloss over that because we don't want to bore the listeners with uh, reliving some of that behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, Just know that it leads to a match between Fala Ba and Crazy Steve. Uh, I'm very curious on your thoughts about this match, Sandy.
1: (laughs) Are you really? Is that sarcasm? Um,
0: It may or may not be heavy sarcasm.
1: <laughs> it was whatever. It's fallabah. I love Fallabah though. I was excited to see him get some. I, I guess you can call it ring time. I don't know. It, it was this a crazy theme. I really. Eh.
0: This was a glorified Russell House match, but not as good. Yeah. Which you know, Russell House matches, of course, notoriously short and very gimmicky, very jokey. Uh, this was too. Of course, they they're telling the story of. Falabas stole the money from Hernandez, and he had it hidden under his shirt. There was a, a kind of corny spot where Crazy Steve said, "You know, monkey see, monkey do," and tried to get Falabas to take his shirt off to reveal the cash. And Falabas says, "No, I'm very self-conscious," <laughs> and so that it's was so kind of <laughs> that was that was kind of funny, you know. Uh, but outside of that, uh, my notes for this match, I wrote. This happened.
1: <laughs> it happened. Yeah, it is I mean, something.
0: <laughs> that's that's about all you can. That's about all you can see. Um, I, I'm I really don't have any other notes there, but uh, an interesting backstage segment happens next, Sandy, with uh with Heath and Rhino.
1: Yeah, so we find out that Heath is in the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match, as bound for glory. Um, so here's the stipulation that we find out. So Rhino's, you know, he's hyping up. Heath, he's like, hey, I got us an opportunity. You know, if either of us wins, you're going to get a contract with Impact Wrestling. And Heath is just freaking stoked, right? right? Of course. You know, one of them just has to win, and he's he's hired. But uh, as Heath walks away, Scott DeMora comes up and he says, hey, when are you going to tell him the the other part? So what we find out from this interaction here is that if neither of them win, Rhino is actually given up his own Impact Wrestling contract. That is a big stipulation there. What do you think, Josh? Uh,
0: yeah, and, and you know, you know, we we are people that have watched wrestling for a long time, Sandy. Um, one of two things is going to happen. Uh, one is that one of them is going to win the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match, uh, which seems insane to mm-hmm. say that you know Heath or Rhino would win a huge uh, gimmick match at a uh, you know their biggest show of the year in 2020. Um, or B, they come up with some other, you know, wrestling way to explain them both being there somehow, because, you know, Scott, the had a change of heart or, Oh, you guys came yeah. so close. You know, there's going to be something. I, I, I don't think either of these guys is going anywhere, but I also kind of don't think either one's going to win the call your shot gauntlet match at bound for glory. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to more of that uh, after this next match here.
1: So we will see. So, all right. So next, up, we have caleb with a k introducing to dashwood so we find out from this introduction that she's actually going to be in the call your call your shot gauntlet match yep. and we also see right after her uh, tommy dreamers music hits so then we find out that this is a 10 person first uh, per- 10 person match we have tommy dreamer brian myers cody deaner johnny swinger and to dashwood Versus Hernandez, Cousin Jake, Alicia, Rhino, and Heath. Um, So, yeah, we have Swinger and Heath to start. But, of course, Swinger being the character that he is immediately tagged into Neo, which I thought was funny because she's outside. She's getting her pictures taken. She's posing. She's like, I don't have to do anything. But she gets tagged (laughs) in. And, of course, we have Alicia. uh, She gets tagged in as well. Um, Not the best performance here from Alicia. I think Alicia, she hasn't wrestled much, right?
0: Yeah, it's been a while. So, you know, she's been around for a long time in Impact Wrestling. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we've seen her in a uh, match outside of Wrestle House in quite some time. Um, you know, it, it was interesting, too, because, um, you know, this, the, the, when they announced that it was going to be a 10 man tag match a little bit earlier in the program, it's like, okay, you know, that makes sense. And then how they, they're like, oh, we're going to do a stipulate, we're going to announce the stipulation during the match of what's going to happen for the winning team. And you start to see how these teams kind of shake out when you saw one, you know, when you saw Cody Dean Deaner come out with the one, you knew that cousin Jake was going to be on the other because, you know, they have to pick cousin against cousin. And, you know, of course, you know, the two girls were going to be split up and, you know, of course, you know, Tommy dreamer and Brian Myers being on the same side, they're still feuding. Um, You know, it was just kind of weird, and, you know, Hernandez was a guy that was there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, it was interesting, but, yeah, no, I mean, uh, to your earlier point, uh, Tenille seemed like she was doing her best to make Alicia look good, Um, and uh, Alicia Edwards just, you know, I think she's got some rust to kick off.
1: Yeah, and some some training to do for sure. So, of course, this match is really all just goofy stuff until – it really picks up when Brian Myers and Heath get getting the ring together. Of course, mm-hmm. these two are the, the big number one athletes when it comes to either opponent in each uh, side of the ring here. Um, we do the finish for this is Heath pin swinger. Uh, but the really exciting part, like I mentioned, was Brian Myers and Heath getting in there together. Um, now what we find out here is that the winning five will actually compete for the number 20 spot next week. So, um, so whoever wins, they'll go five on five against each other, I'm assuming. Whoever wins that match will get the number twenty spot, which I'm also assuming will be the final, the last spot in that yep. mm-hmm. match. So and then the what we find out too is that the person who loses will actually get the number one spot.
0: Right. So a lot lot to uh, you know kind of digest there when you're watching that match. And of course you mentioned the finish there. You know, heath does get to pin on swinger. And this is, of course, after Brian Myers has Heath lined up for the finish. Uh, he's waiting for Heath to stand back up, and Swinger tags himself in because he gets excited um, at the prospects of, of picking up the scraps of Heath. Um, but yeah, and then we see that we're going to have Heath uh, versus Rhino versus uh, Alicia versus Cousin Jake versus Hernandez. Um, yeah, you know, I I gotta say it looks like Rhino and Heath are gonna get one of them is gonna get that number twenty spot um, in the gauntlet match uh, because uh, if you look at their team um, Hernandez uh, we haven't seen do anything in months cousin Jake is a secondary character in a comedy tag team um, and then Alicia Edwards of course is the knockout uh, in the match so um, yeah I, my money's on Rhino and Heath coming away with that number twenty spot.
1: Absolutely, me too.
0: Uh, we'll freeze past we get another, uh, you know, Shamrock and Sammy Callahan beating up Eddie Edwards because why not? Um,
1: <laughs> did, and, you see, did you see – did you – please tell me you caught the, the slip-up here by Ken. Uh,
0: you mean the part where he completely missed his strike on Eddie Edwards?
1: <laughs> and he trips right in front of the camera. Oh, yeah, my it God, was, I lost it.
0: It was uh, – <laughs> man – you know, I, I, I get producing on a budget and not wanting to do retakes. Uh, but whoever was the camera operator there definitely should have seen that happen real time on his monitor. And been like, hold up, hold up. Just just stop and go from the top. Because Ken missed completely.
1: Seriously. I, it was, I can't believe that they didn't reshoot that. I can't.
0: I can't either. And, and you know, it's not like, you know, they're, they're filming <laughs> these you know weeks at a time right like we know kind of the inside baseball bound for glory is already shot and in the can right we already know that that's that's already done that's edited that's just you know we already know that they have next week's impact done they probably have the week after that because they don't really care about being live it's on access tv who cares right i mean that's kind of and especially i think it's kind of a smart way to do it with the pandemic you get everyone there everyone's COVID clean you shoot a bunch of episodes is everyone there clean You send them away and then you bring them back, do the, you know, rinse repeat, right? You get your three, four weeks at a time. Um, I'm actually kind of a fan of that uh, kind of process, you know, making sure the talent stays healthy. And uh, to my knowledge, uh, no one has um, tested positive from Impact. I haven't seen anything. I know that some of them did compete um, at the Collective um, last week. Um and of course we' are, we're hearing now that there there are some- uh positive tests that came out of that uh of course that that indie show up in uh, indiana so uh you know hopefully everyone recovers well you know fans there are some fans uh i guess in attendance that had it uh Dan the data uh, an independent wrestler uh announced that he had it a lot of people are giving him shit like listen don't don't give the the wrestlers shit he's trying to make a living just like everyone else is um you know, it's not like he knew ahead of time that he was positive and then still went and did the show. Right. He found out after the fact, cause he got tested after the oh, event,
1: Of course.
0: you know, everyone passed to be on the event. Mm-hmm. He failed after the event, something happened, something transpired. He caught it. Um, so, you know, best, best wishes to, to all those that, uh, are affected. Um, and hopefully it doesn't turn into this just gigantic, uh, super spreader event, uh, where a lot of people get sick because of it. Um, because, you know, the last thing that wrestling needs is negative press about coronavirus. Absolutely. So, um, but anyways, uh, we get a pretty good little backstage interview with Eric Young. Uh, he's really ramping up his promo work. Um, this isn't his best promo of the night, though. He gets one later that we'll spend some time talking about. Uh, but I really want to talk about this match uh, here, Sandy, because uh, this, uh, this was our match of the night uh, by far, if you ask me.
1: Oh hell yes, 100% agreed. We have Kimberly uh, of ringside Diana Parazzo and then it is against Kylie Ray, our number one girl. Um, my god, this match was so great. I couldn't couldn't take my eyes off of it. Kylie Ray is an absolute star and yeah. you know I'm happy she's getting she's getting a chance on impact to show what she can do and in the indie, Indies. But to me, it's like, oh, my God, why isn't she in NXT or WWE right now? She should be at the top, the best of the best. She yeah. hands down is just absolutely killing it with her her facial expressions, her execution of her moves, her, her believability of, of what she's doing. You know, she's not just going in there and just doing moves for, for no reason or just. She goes in there with a purpose and it's a fight and it's a battle and she will give her, give it 120% every single time.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and, and she was someone that, that had an AEW contract in hand. Um, and then of course, you know, for, for what we understand, uh, what's been reported as, you know, some mental health things and, and some other stuff going on, she wound up, uh, leaving. And then to kind of, I think, to build back up to where she is getting those looks again. Um, you know, I know, obviously, AEW's said they have no you know, ill will against her over it and, you know, holding on yards. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, I don't think impact is her ceiling, obviously. Um, she's someone that, you know, whatever you as a performer believe the, the top of the, the mountain is um, for what you're doing, uh, Kylie's going to get there. I, I have no doubt in my mind about that. Um, you know, she she's shows up on everyone's top wrestle list. Um, she, I think this was her best match from a character work perspective. Um, because even though she came out to the ring with her normal smiley Kylie stuff, right, there was a kind of tension to it from, you know, the fact that she, you know, we saw her snap last week. We saw, you know, how she reacted at Victory Road to watching Susie get her arm broken. And all those things I think are still playing in her head while she's doing this character work while she's doing all of her smile stuff, while she's, you know, doing her, her penguin slide into the ring and, and different things like that. It just felt like there's just that little bit of tension that maybe not everything is all smiles there. Mm-hmm.
1: No, and the tension, man, I, I felt, I felt I, I, it almost felt to me like I could feel her blood boil whenever she was in there with Kimberly because of the assault that they they did on, on Susie the previous yeah. week. And, you know, of course, having Diana Barazzo ring something she was able to say, I know there's a threat there. I have to watch my ass because I know she's out there. But, man, yeah. the intensity in her eyes when she's going up against her. And Kimberly, man, she is a great talent too. When she's in there with somebody who can go with her, it's always going to be a great match. And this absolutely delivered.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, uh, it's we, we talk about this all the time, you know, with Impact's knockout division. Um, but this t- the top of this division is, is the top, uh, if you ask me, uh, of really any women's division in professional wrestling, um, in, in North America, I, I'm not going to comment on, uh, you know, like things that are happening in stardom and things that I, I don't watch enough personally to, to form a, a vocal opinion about, uh, James Boyd, obviously from one nation radio is a huge stardom watcher. Um, and he would argue that, that, you know, half of that roster is better than anything that we see over here. Um this isn't the show for for us to kind of parse those things and and kind of, you know, analyze and different things like that. Um, But what we see here is two women go out and have a really good match. Everything hit pretty hard. Um, And like you said, with the the believability of what Kylie does, it it reminds me a lot of, you know, when we talk about the believability of what Jordan Grace does, the speed and the power and everything is there. And I I think historically with, with women's wrestling, There's almost like a a back throttle, right? Like you'll have to ease up a little bit because you can't show the hit. You can't, you know, look like you're getting roughed up because, you know, even going back to the diva era, right? You still had to look like a diva when you were done wrestling. You couldn't really hit people. So I think for me at least, uh, from a North American viewing perspective, seeing women like Kylie Rae um, and Jordan Grace go out there and just really just pummel each other. And it's kind of refreshing to see, you know, them kind of take the brakes off, if if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. That is my favorite when I can, you know, what's funny too, because when I I train um, at my school, you know, sometimes, like, I love the women's wrestling where it's like, man, you don't have to hurt each other, but God, make it, make that contact. Make it seem like it's a real fight. That to me is what makes women's wrestling now so different compared to like what you were saying back in in the diva era back long before where it was just two models going in there and pulling each other's hair you know I right. want to make it seem like it's a fight which is what's like even just wrestling with with men you know if, if, if it looks too court what's what's Will Osprey saying that it looks too choreographed it doesn't look like a real fight right even though he's an amazing athlete that's right. a big critique that it's a fair critique you know if you're looking in there like it's a choreographed dance routine, then it's not going to look like a real fight. To me, wrestling, my preference, because wrestling is so subjective, anyone can say, hey, I like the choreographed stuff, I like the goofy stuff, you know, everyone has their own preference, but to me, the more it looks like a real fight, like a real battle, that's what's going to grab my attention, that's what's going to make me just adore that wrestler, and for that reason, man, Kylie Ray. Even just in the way that she runs, she runs like she means it. Like, oh, I need to go yeah. from this point to this point to hit this move. And it's not just like, I'm going to run here to make sure that I'm on time for this move. Like, no, she runs. Right. You she better be it. on your guard yeah. so that she can do her stuff.
0: Yeah, it, it, for sure. And and I think, too, like you know, like you said, like, so in that believability that you're in a fight, you know, she comes out, she has her big bow. She's all smiles. By the end of that match, that bow is gone. Oh, her hair is completely it. disheveled. She's just covered in sweat because she's working her ass off. Her face is flushed. It looks like she was in a fight. And it does not detract from her look. I have to say. Not at all. Objectively speaking, right? And and not even saying, like, oh, look at how hot she was. No, I'm saying her presentation is still A plus start to finish. And it's not there's no detraction from her losing her hair bow or her hair coming, her ponytail coming out. None of that detracts from it. It only adds to the effects of, you know, we want to suspend disbelief when we're watching professional wrestling. And if you watch two people and this is men included go out there and just, you know, kind of do like, you know, they said, uh, you know, and, and I share the same criticism of Will Ospreay that you do. Uh, The rest of our network does not. Um, But, you know, (laughs) a friend of the podcast, Zach Porter is, is a, uh, and I, my soon-to-be brother-in-law, he is uh, one of the biggest people that says, uh, you know, what's the difference between a Will Osprey match and every kung fu movie you've seen that came out of Hong Kong? So um, I wouldn't go that far personally. Um, but there is, like you said, there is some criticism to doing the over, you know, the over choreography, not making it look like a real fight. Um, but you know, not to, not to talk more about Will Osprey because I really don't want to. Um, but you know. Great match out of Kylie. Great match out of Kimberly. Kylie does get the win here with the smile to the finish. Um, and, you know, I, we haven't seen her win with this uh, since we started doing the podcast. Um, oh, that's but She really, really – and actually, I thought it showcased her technical ability somewhat with the way that she rolled through some of these uh, attempts of Kimberly to get to the rope uh, to kind of sell that, you know what, hey, Deanna's a good technical wrestler, but so am I. Um, and then she really wrenched up on the submission.
1: And I think, you know, this finish that she started using not too long ago when she was, when she came to impact, right? The FTF. I think she used to have something else before. Yeah. She would kind of
0: end with that super kick. Yeah.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Well, she took my finish, but she made it look awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was really sad actually when I saw her do like an, S I forget when it was, this was before we got to do our podcast. And I was like, I love Kali Ray. And then I see her do the freaking SDF at impact match for the finish. And I was like, damn it. No, <laughs> I was so upset. I was like, it's going to be mine, man. What's up?
0: Hey, oh, listen, listen, but,
1: okay, okay. I,
0: I, you know what there's, there's, I think there's plenty of room for, for two, uh, badass women doing SDFs. I don't think that you need to worry about it. And you don't call yours, you know, you don't call yours the smiles to the finish. So, uh, I think, you know, there's, there's, there's room, right? You know, it's not like, you know, (laughs) somebody does a Taz mission and then Taz gets all bent out of shape. Like, Hey man, you can't do my move. You know, whatever. It's, it's professional (laughs) wrestling. There's, there's only so many moves, right? (laughs) You know, but it's about doing it well and you do it well. So, uh, thank you. you're welcome. We get Kylie, of course, doesn't let go of the smiles to the finish. And that leads to Deanna uh, super-kicking her off of Kimberly. Uh, but then what was interesting was that Deanna tried to beat her up, and Kylie almost no-sold that super-kick and just whipped the shit out of Tiana Parasso.
1: <laughs> that was that extra sizzle. That was, to me, the chef's case. Mwah! She got her hands on Diana and just said, screw you, I'll see you at Battle yep. Glory.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that post-angle, uh, you know, it's too often we see the heel just – Oh, the stupid baby face is getting angry. I'm going to just go pummel him now. And we just watched the heel beat the baby face to a pulp. And then we're left to go, okay, well, the baby face is going to win now at the pay-per-view because they got the beat down. Uh, but when you do it this way, I honestly don't know where this is going to go now, Sandy. I know it's going to be a good match, but I, I don't know which way they're going to go. I don't know what Deanna's, uh, long-term plan is as far as impact wrestling goes. Um, yeah, you know, we know she's friends with a lot of the people in AEW. Um, so, you know, I hope she sticks around Impact because I enjoy watching her every week.
1: Too.
0: Um, but listen, we've always said the Impact's not the ceiling for a lot of these people. Um, it's a great place, I think, to go and get your reps and get some TV time. Um, but when it's time, it's time. Uh, I thought Diana was misused before in in WWE, um, and I think if she went to a place like AEW, she'd be. Uh, really a pillar for that women's division uh, to grow on. So, you know, we'll see what happens long-term. I don't think she's signed a long-term contract or anything with impact. I think she's on a show-by-show. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, but, you know, kayfabe reasons uh, included, I honestly – I have no idea which way this match uh, is going. It's been kind of a 50-50 book.
1: It is. They're keeping us on our toes. But I really do hope it puts the, uh, the strap on, on Kylie Ray.
0: Yeah, I you know she's been racking up a lot of indie belts uh this year, um rightfully so. I actually did go back and watch the uh Warrior Wrestling Stadium Series match uh where she does win the Warrior Wrestling Women's Belt off of Tessa Blanchard. Um you know, pretty good match. Oh no. But I will say this, the the canvas on the ring cuz it's outdoors and they're the main event, that thing was so slippery. Like there was a, a spot where Tesla oh. goes to drop kick her in the back. Uh, Kylie is draped over the middle rope, almost kind of set up and like for to receive a six one nine. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And Tessa runs to go and just do a drop kick to her back. And she slips uh, going to do the drop kick. And just, I mean, she kicks the shit out of Kylie Ray's back. Like, oh. when, I, when I saw it, I was like, Oh God, that hurt. Like that was bad. And it could have blown out Tessa's, you know, knee or her ankle. Um, you know, I, I I believe that was earlier on in that stadium series. So hopefully they figured out a way to um, keep that safe the whole night um, because that night it, it was not. Um, but, you know, so Kylie, you know, hey, she's ready to add another belt, though. I think she's ready.
1: Hell yeah, I think so, too. Uh,
0: you know, speaking of uh, people that believe they're ready for the belts, uh, why don't you uh, listen? This is a couple of giant men here <laughs> uh, wrestling. Uh, Sandy, why don't you take us through this one?
1: Over for the next match, we have Doc Gallows. He comes out with Carl Anderson, and we have him against Madman Fulton. Now, we start this out by Carl Anderson getting on the mic, you know, just saying, hey, we could have gone anywhere. People ask us why we're here. Well, we're the best on the mic. We're the best wrestlers. We're the best looking. We're the best this and that. But in order to be the best, we have to have the titles. And so they're pretty much saying that, hey, Bounce of Glory, they're going to take the titles from the Motor City Machine Guns. And, of course, we'll wait to see what happens. I'm very excited for the match. It's going to be hectic and wild. Uh, but this match was really funny because I thought it was just going to be like a nothing match. Uh, and and they made it seem like that at first. You know, they come yeah. in the ring. They're just hitting each other with, with some... With some shots, some elbows, some punches, and immediately goes to the outside, and we immediately get a count out. And I'm like, oh, well, this is kind of what I expected. And I thought it was going to be it. But when they come back from the commercial break, we find out that the match will be restarted. And it's going to restart as a no-DQ, no count out match, where we see them just beating the hell out of each other with all kinds of weapons and chairs and post signs. And it was just a battle.
0: Yeah. What was interesting is that when it came back from the break, they were already had a bunch of spots, uh, that they kind of passed over, uh, like at some point during the break, I guess, Ace Austin got physical with Carl Anderson. we never see that. Um, they oh, just yes, mentioned it on yeah. commentary. Um, and you know, we see Carl Anderson's kind of knocked out for a good portion of the match. Uh, and I don't think we ever see Ace Austin period. At least I didn't when I was watching it. Um, it was a really interesting kind of reset. Um, and, I, you know, I was glad that they went the way that they did uh, to make this, you know, a no DQ because, I mean, obviously these are both uh, just gigantic men. Uh, and it was pretty brutal. I mean, there was a lot of really hard hits, a lot of shots I didn't expect uh, to see on a Tuesday night on impact. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, the big LG uh, gets the uh, victory. With what was an absolutely brutal uh, two-handed choke slam through two chairs, and you, I don't know if you noticed, but the one chair he completely bent the seat. Like oh, no, the chair, I the chair was still standing, but the corner of the seat got completely folded in by uh, Fulton's body crashing through it.
1: Oh <laughs> my god!
0: Yeah, yeah it, was it was pretty run, right
1: before that, Fulton ate it. Ate- one of the chairs that was posted between the second and first turnbuckle on the corner, oh, he, oh. you know, when they come in like WWE, when they do the, the shoulder to the, to the post. Yeah. But he went full speed and just ate. I didn't even see him pull up his hand to protect no. his face. He just ate it. <laughs> he just ate
0: it. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of anything unprotected, uh, especially when involving uh, steel chairs. Um, and, and I hope he got all shoulder. Uh, but God, that, that was just like, ah, like, you know.
1: <laughs> I love that. It looked brutal.
0: It did. Uh, but it... you know, I
1: was having this conversation with Logan, you know, I personally am not the biggest fan of like, uh, big guy wrestling when it's, when they do only big guy stuff. Like, you know, you have the story every time when it's like the little guy versus the big guy. And if the big guy, you know, has a smaller opponent, all they're going to do is the big guy stuff. Right low pace to slam here slam there this and that and to me that that can be kind of boring and you know we're always excited when the little guy kind of gets in there and gets in all the action yeah but when it's you know two big guys working like big guys it can be very boring which is why i thought this match was going to be just count out and that's it so i'm glad they restarted as an odq like you mentioned because then after that it gave them an opportunity to to explore and just really beat the hell out of each other and really show something more interesting than just two big guys going in there and being slow and just no excitement and, you know, the same old stuff. Now, it's right. really interesting when two big guys wrestle like they're not big guys because, it's like, okay, my size advantage isn't going to work against this opponent because he's just as big as I am, so I have to do more. And what actually Logan reminded me of was... The- The the battles between Braun Strowman and the big Show, you know, those were big dudes and they were going in in there when they had their little series, they were moving like, like smaller guys. So to me, that's interesting. And you know, this match delivered, it was fun. It was, they just beat the hell out of each other.
0: They did. And you know, and what was interesting here is, um, I didn't expect it to be our kind of quote unquote main event, but it was the last wrestling that we really see here on this episode. Um, and it was, it went pretty long. Um, it was a couple of segments, like we mentioned, it went to commercial and they came back. Uh, but after this match, we get um, what I think is probably the best Eric Young promo I maybe have ever seen. Um, this is a really, really strong showing out of Eric Young here. Um, he, he's he's talking all about, you know, Rich Swan. He's talking about where he came from, all this and that. And he calls out Scott Demore, who's been waiting the whole night for a phone call from uh Rich swan's uh physical uh, uh physical therapist. And um you know, it was it was kind of a you know, a, a silly wrestling moment where Eric Young finishes what he's saying. He's like, Well, what is it? Tell me what tell me what's gonna happen. And then it cuts away to Scott demore and his iPhone rings. Uh, oh yeah, of course, I've been waiting all night to how are you and so of course he comes out and Eric Young keeps interrupting him. Um, and then, you know, he lets him know, hey, uh, you caused uh, some s- additional substantial damage. And then Eric Young goes off on another huge, you know, tirade. Um, and then, of course, Scott Demore drops the the, uh, the news on him that Rich Swann is ready to go. Um, and then, of course, Eric Young uh, puts a pretty brutal beatdown on Scott Demore. We saw Scott Demore get beat up a little bit. Uh, but now we get to see some of that wrestling training that Scott's had in the past.
1: His head was freaking bouncing like crazy on that turnbuckle. I was like, oh, my God. He hit that turnbuckle pretty hard. Yeah. Right? I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was just laying on the boots on him. It was, oh, it was rough. I was like, is somebody going to come out and help this poor, poor man who has no business being in there right now with Eric Young? Uh, but then, of course, we have, thankfully, somebody comes out to uh, rescue poor Scott and actually rich one he comes in and pulls hey so what does he call that what does he call the move because we all know it is a lethal injection just a cutter
0: um i think he just calls it the, like the uh, um the handspring uh kind of like a rebound stunner um i i'm not sure off the top of my head um if you keep talking though i can i can figure out what rich swan's uh Cutter is here, what, what he calls I it. I think
1: they said Cutter on commentary, but I'm not, not too sure.
0: Let's see. Da, 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 da. I'm trying to find the name of it. Um, da, oh, da, I gotcha. Da. Yeah, it's just, they, oh, just I it, they just call it They okay. just call it a handspring Cutter. He doesn't have a special name for it, it looks like.
1: Uh, well, he goes in there and gives one of those to Eric Young, and he stands tall in the ring with the title, actually, as it's Eric Young scurries away to the back and is in shock that Rich Juan would come out and and be able to do all this when he clearly that he had put him away.
0: Yeah, you know, it's he's got that kind of look of fear in his eyes. Uh, Again, you know, similar to the first time he puts him out and then he comes out and saves uh, Eddie Edwards. Uh, And we see, you know, Eric Young's like, you're not supposed to be here. This is my plan. This is not part of my plan. I um, mean, also, too, I mean, not only does uh, Rich Swan hit that handspring cutter pretty perfect, um, he's moving around like he has no injury. Um, so he he looks like he's ready to go. It looks like uh, we won't be selling any ankle injuries or anything once uh, Bound for Glory comes. Uh, and I got to be honest, I'm pretty excited for that match now, Sandy. Uh, it looks like it's going to continue to be one on one.
1: I am too. And hopefully, stays that will. Hopefully no shenanigans uh, next week. And we just get to see the one-on-one, the big, ah, for battle glory on this one.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens here. Uh, And and hopefully, too, it does look like with all the Sammy Callahan, Kim Shine Rock stuff that Eddie Edwards has moved on and he's he's in a different feud now with those guys. Um, So it does look like, unless there's some incredibly random and, and pointless interjection uh there will be one-on-one this isn't wwe so i'm pretty confident that there's not going to be a random stupid injection um but you know hey i've been wrong before you know <laughs> the last thing we need is whoever wins the uh the gauntlet match to decide that they want to challenge that night right like a money in the bank type scenario that's let's, oh my let's God. not let's not do that let's let's stay away from that no so we have uh, to end the show, and you mentioned this up top, Sandy. We uh, we end the episode the way we started it.
1: We did. So we actually get to another episode of the Moose <laughs> Actually, find EC3, and a scramble ensues. You know, EC3 just is talking his it's not his nonsense, but you know the stuff that he's been saying, like, "Hey, you, you gotta free yourself, Moose," and then you know all this shenanigans against that. Hopefully, we'll we'll actually know what the hell we saw later on um but moose is tired of it they just go one-on-one to scramble uh initially we see ec3 getting the upper hand and he's walking away with the title laughing like he just accomplished so much and he said oh i thought it was going to be better than this just like seconds there's more and of course thankfully moose comes back up because i was like if this is it i'm going to be upset because they just went (laughs) at it for like five seconds and that was like nothing (laughs) come on Like, after all these chronicles that we've seen Moose, like, you're really going to get beat up after five seconds? No. So he does come up, thankfully, and they started going at it again. And it's just Moose going at it, just punch after punch after punch. And we see, we don't get a shot of EC3 from the camera angle anymore. It's just Moose's fist, just blood. So we can just imagine what the outcome was from EC3. I thought it was pretty clever. It was just like, I am sick of this shit. Ah just blood all over his face and he just walked out of there and he grabbed the title too if i'm not mistaken right
0: he did yeah he walked he, he left with his uh his fake title that he never won uh it was funny kind of a funny story is <laughs> you know i was watching uh this yesterday and i was sitting here i was sitting at my desk and i have the a bigger monitor off to the side that i use for work and uh you know then i i do my my dual screens here with my laptop and I set up my second screen. Uh, it Work had kind of slowed down for a brief period, so I said, okay, I'm going to watch Impact this week. Threw it up on my second screen here, and uh, my daughter woke up from nap, and she likes to come and watch wrestling with me if I'm watching it on the computer. Well, of course, she wakes up from nap right at this Moose Chronicles. And as <laughs> now, she didn't catch, because, you know, she's three, she didn't catch the hand coming up from the punches being covered in blood. Um, but I was like, oh, hey, your mom needs you. <laughs> and I just kind of oh. like, scurried her like, go, go, go. <laughs> and she's like, "You yeah, know, of course, you know, Colleen's like, what's going on? Hands. Why did you send her over here? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, it's it's a part that she can't watch. And of course, you know, Colleen from across the room kind of saw what was happening. She goes, yeah, don't worry. Mommy doesn't like this either, Molly. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, you know. oh you know, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, I thought it was an effective segment. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously EC3 got what he wanted uh, with uh, antagonizing Moose. And uh, it's hard to believe, but we still have one more impact before Bound for Glory.
1: One more. We'll see what happens next week.
0: We shall. Now, before we get to next week, though, uh, Sandy, uh, we are uh, going to get back into our video game discussion here. We promised the listeners last week. Hey, listen. We knew that there was going to be, a, a, you know, a lot of impact wrestling and no video games. Um, but we do want to now that it is October. We are going to talk. Uh, you know, we thought about doing a broader horror games topic. Um, we thought about, you know, some different things, and we said, okay, you know, I mean, and we could probably do uh, a couple of different game series here for the month of October. But uh, to me, and and I think to you, the the first game when it comes to mind. Or the first series that comes to mind when you talk about survival horror games is resident evil.
1: 100%. There's no other, like the very first thing, as soon as he said, Hey, you know, let's do spooky stuff for Halloween. Duh. Or for like October. Okay. Resident evil, because I'm not, I love horror movies. I love Halloween. I love horror, everything. But when it comes to actually playing horror video games, such a voice, like, We'll get to this, I'm sure, but Biohazard, yeah, was not... I had to put on Disney music. I had to put the TV brightness, (laughs) like, the highest level. I had to put, like, candles and, like, mute it with the Disney music. That was the only way I could play because I didn't have anyone. I was living alone at the time, and I didn't have anyone else there, and I was like, I'm going to get to this, but... It was a little mermaid plane, and I was so scared out of my mind playing this game. Right. I couldn't finish it. It was too too hard.
0: Now you're of course talking about Resident Evil Seven Biohazard. Yes. Um which uh, which is kind of an interesting callback because the original name for Resident Evil when it released in Japan was Biohazard. Um so Biohazard I, um, I have
1: no idea of that before.
0: Yeah, so and I for whatever reason it didn't I I think there was, and this happens often, when you move things to a Western audience, uh, there are some some topics, some things that you want to kind of tie into a little bit differently. And in the West, we don't really like talking about chemical warfare um, as much. (laughs) Um, We don't want to touch into that. Um, So we do get uh, what is called Resident Evil. Um, of course it is because of the mansion, uh, that you spend the entire game in, um, that you get the resident evil, right? It's the Spencer mansion. Um, I was first introduced to this game, um, actually with the second one, cause I'm a little young for this. When this first came out in 1996, uh, my parents uh, would never have allowed me to play resident evil as a child. Um, I did so anyway at a friend's house. Uh, but not till later, like I said, not until Resident Evil 2 came out on the Nintendo 64, <laughs> which, of course, Nintendo at that time had a great reputation for taking a lot of the blood out and a lot of the you know different stuff. So I didn't really get introduced to it until Resident Evil 2. Um, and even at that point, I kind of came in half, like the back half of the game. I didn't really know what was going on. My buddy had rented it from Blockbuster. Um, and you know that was kind of what we did the weekend was uh, by the time I got over to his house, we just played the last of it, right? but um the first one that i played start to finish was actually the remake of the first game that was released on the gamecube um which was an absolutely awesome uh repolished uh re-released update and really started a theme of re-releasing old resident evil games that we still see today Uh, but what was your first experience with the game series sandy just
1: like with you i think we're in the same age group where we maybe we just I only, like, a couple of years missed the very first Resident Evil on the PlayStation. And, of course, me being, like, the number one Nintendo person, I I had to support it when it came out for the Nintendo 64, and that was my first memory and recollection of uh, Resident Evil. So it was that Nintendo 64 version, and I was so little at the time, and so I would just play. I think we had, like, cousins that would just come over and play, because I couldn't play it alone otherwise. Right. I remember just being so freaking petrified of I, I don't know what they're actually called, but the the creatures that come through the windows that I yes, with the those remake, are called lickers. Actually lick- get to experience that fear again.
0: Oh yeah, so those are called lickers. Those fucks. Yeah, they are. They <laughs>
1: would ruin my life when I was little.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. And and it's one too. Like if you don't have the shotgun, you're completely screwed. Like you have to have something with some kick oh when you fight god, those things. Oh my god, you're done. Yeah. Oh, you have yeah. your nine millimeter? Good luck. Just run into the next room and, and try and open a door, right? And and was was crazy too about the aesthetic, right? When you play this when you play the first games, um, they are a fixed camera angle. The controls are very difficult to get used to at first. Because forward always moves you up on the joystick moves you where your character is pointed. So you're you're constantly moving on this access of you know turning your person and then moving forward and then to shoot you actually have to pull the button down and then push the the trigger button so um you know it was it was a different and i think the gameplay actually added to the horror of everything because it wasn't a fluid game like we were getting uh with other shooters and and it really just was a very you know you walk in you walk you turn a corner And now there's a long hallway with four windows on the right side. And you have that first experience with that liquor in the back of your mind. And (laughs) now you're just going, well, I don't want to go down that fucking hallway.
1: You know? No. I hated it. And know, it's so funny. Now now thinking back on it, like I can't even imagine what it was like playing that game with that freaking Nintendo 64 controller. Now that you're breaking that down, I'm like, how do we do that?
0: I think I think the answer, Sandy, is that we were better at games when we were younger <laughs> because I couldn't do I it now. So. I can't I can't imagine doing it now No, that um, was freaking nuts. because it's it is a really, really strange way of playing. And then, you know, I don't know if you played this one, um, but so because we already had Resident Evil one through three plus Code Veronica X before we get to the GameCube remake of the first game. But then the same year, they released a prequel called Resident Evil Zero. And Nintendo and and Capcom worked together to say, listen, if you thought our controls were hard when you played as one character, now play as both characters. (laughs) And (laughs) you're literally sitting there controlling one character with the left stick, one character with the C stick, and it is, I don't, I don't know how at 12 years old I was able to navigate that game, Sandy, and beat it. I did. I don't know how, and I don't want to try it. Go back and try it again. Um, but yeah, I don't. Did you ever play that one?
1: I did not. So thankful. I would have gotten my ass beat.
0: <laughs> yeah. I couldn't
1: imagine doing that.
0: It, it is so weird, and so hard to get used to, that you're just kind of like, well, oh. I mean this is it right you're just kind of rocking and rolling with it um and boss battles you know uh, become this this uh mishmash of you know one of your characters gets you know wrapped up in the in the boss and you gotta use the other character to shoot him free and just all kinds of of you know tag team stuff oh, no. it's, it's you know and puzzles in resident evil uh by the way we should mention this game is very puzzle oriented um Puzzles mm-hmm. in Resident Evil are confusing, and then when you do Resident Evil Zero and you have to do two-person puzzles with one controller, um, it becomes more confusing.
1: All right, that sounds terrible, because actually, I'm glad that you mentioned that my favorite part of Resident Evil is, is the puzzles. And, you know, being an, an adventure, adventure gamer, right? you know, that's my favorite type of game, so you have to decipher, like, okay, find the clues, decipher what this means, decipher what you need to find, some games make it very easy for you to solve that. So it doesn't feel like a challenge, but I feel like the resident evil games are really good at keeping it so that you still have to explore everything and, and have that adventure on your own to decipher, okay, what to do next, where to go from here. And of course, on top of that, all the terrifying shit that goes on that makes you right. want to just cry. Cause I know I did one time <laughs> when I was little, it's too scary.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's, you know, there's certain things like, you know, like, Oh God! I'm gonna solve this puzzle, and something's gonna pop out, and I'm gonna have to fight it. Or, you know, like uh, in the original Resident Evil, you go by a, uh, you know, a giant uh, aquarium, and you're just like, oh fuck, this is not gonna go the way that I want it to, right? And then there's like a fucking, <laughs> there's a, there's a, a zombie shark, right? Like you're just, it's just total like, ah, uh, right, exactly. That sounds like
1: a nightmare. What game is the shark from?
0: That's in the original one. Yeah.
1: And they, Oh, God. No, nope. that would yeah. have freaking, I would have turned off the game right then and there if I had to play that one. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think, I don't know if we've talked about this before, Josh, but like sharks in video games, I don't know what it is. I have such a freaking fear, especially in games like, I think we may have briefly touched up on it. The, the weird freaking shark in uh, um, Ocarina of Time in the laboratory. Mm. Do you recall that when you go to the laboratory? Yes, um, yes, I
0: remember that, and yeah.
1: And it's just like, you go down there with your steel boots or whatever, and then you look to your left, and then there's a freaking shark behind the, this, like, jail thing. Right. It doesn't move. It doesn't do anything. I but can't it, tell it's you sardine. how terrifying that yeah. shit was to me. And also the shark in Donkey Kong for the Nintendo 64, there's a shark in there. Oh, no, not the shark. It was the eel's. Man, I don't know. Sea creatures in video <laughs> games freak me out, is what I'm saying. So I'm glad well, I didn't play the first one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, and, and not to get off on a tangent about, you know, water levels and, and, and sea creature enemies, um, but I think games have always wanted and have always had this idea of, man, we need to have underwater cool stuff happening, right? And haven't really figured out to actually make it feel. Right in a video game sense to have combat underwater, especially with you know like sharks and different things. Um, and this is going to sound horribly silly and stupid, uh, but probably the game that does underwater combat the best is Echo the Dolphin for the Sega Genesis, <laughs> because you are also a sea creature. <laughs> so. Um,
1: oh, that's funny.
0: Yeah, not again. Not to get off on a tangent about water, but you know, uh, water levels have been in games for as long as we can remember. They're not going anywhere. Um, and though this wasn't technically a water level uh, in the original Resident Evil, it is a uh, there is a walkway. That if you don't time it correctly, the shark, and at least in the GameCube ver- version, the shark can uh, leap up on the uh, walkway and bite you um, and, and kill you. So, yeah, nope. it's kind of rough. No. Nope. Nope. Um, but, so, <laughs> you know, after Resident Evil Zero, uh, it does take place uh, also in the Spencer Mansion, kind of at different times. Um uh Rebecca is the uh character that uh you kind of know about in the first game, but you can't ever you never find her in the first game. Um but she's uh in Resident Evil Zero, and that kind of continues this thread of all of these games being intertwined and connected to each other, at least the numerical releases. Um, and then you know, I think the the other character's name is Billy and he's very unimportant. Like he's some prisoner that they're gonna experiment on, and then he winds up breaking free. Uh, They meaning, of course, the Evil uh, Umbrella Corporation, um, whose logo we see on uh, Havoc's uh, ring entrance uh, jacket.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: So uh, after 2002, when the GameCube sees Resident Evil remake, it sees Resident Evil Zero, comes probably the game. If you've never played a Resident Evil game, this is probably the one that you played. Um, My wife uh, is not like the biggest gamer in the world. But she knows Resident Evil 4. Um, And she knows that, you know, it was was the only Resident Evil game that really, at least it was the first one, that integrated a shop mechanic uh, where you would actually buy items and upgrades from a quote unquote shopkeeper. Is this creepy guy in a cloak? Um, And I I wish Colleen were here uh, because she would do her uh, impersonation of him. But he basically, you know, every time you talk to him, he goes, Oh, what are you buying? And uh, it's very creepy. Um, but that the creepy shop guy uh, aside, Resident Evil 4 is probably the most acclaimed game of the series. Um, and it was also the first one to move beyond the fixed camera angles in the rooms. Uh, it puts you in a third-person shooter-style uh, uh, camera. And it still, of course, has the uh, the lift-and-shoot uh, game mechanic. So there is no uh, firing from the hip, so to speak. You still have to raise your gun and then pull the trigger to shoot. Um, but, uh, this game, uh, pretty flawless, uh, in my opinion, Sandy, did you ever get your hands on resident evil 4, either the GameCube release or the later, uh, PlayStation release?
1: I played it on the GameCube, but I did not finish it. I honestly think resident evil is in one of those series that like, I tried my damnedest (laughs) and I'm going to beat it, damn it. But I just was never able to in that. Goes from the very first one I played, Resident Evil 2, to the freaking remake. I still haven't finished it. It's too scary and too hard. And then of course with uh, with Resident Evil 7. So I I do remember playing this one. I played it on the GameCube. Yeah. Um, this was the one that in, it, it was what country was it? I can't, I can't I'm trying to remember. They were in Spain.
0: Uh, that was the aesthetic. Yeah, I, I don't think okay. they ever said officially they were in Spain. Um, but they did I they remember that definitely
1: one
0: yeah that was the aesthetic for sure um mm-hmm. and it was the first time that we got to see that some of this stuff is kind of going on globally in this universe right yeah outside
1: of Raccoon City
0: right the prior games were all in Raccoon City and, and they're the surrounding areas um
1: and this was a few years after as well right when it comes to the storyline of it it was a few years after in a whole different setting so it was very new in that sense like oh shit like this has been going on for, for quite a while now, and it's like you mentioned, global.
0: Right, exactly. And so you have this one going on. Um, you know, Leon is for the uh, protagonist in Resident Evil 2, so we have him back here in Resident Evil 4. And because of what he accomplished in Raccoon City and helping kind of uh, stop the virus there, um, he's kind of well-known in, in the uh, special services and things like that. So he's actually sent, and it is actually, they do say Spain, but they don't name a village. They just kind of leave it a nameless village in Spain to go and, uh, rescue the president's daughter. Um, and I will tell you this resident evil, um, in my opinion, never needs to go back to missions where you have to, uh, protect and deliver someone from point A to point B. Um, because Ashley, the president's daughter in resident evil four, um, is just a, it's a, she's a pain in the butt to bring around. because She doesn't do anything. She just, but if she dies, then you get a game over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's and like that
1: to me was so frustrating because I think the issue that I have why I never finished is like she kept freaking dying. I was like, I'm yeah. over it.
0: You,
1: Three you're I, never gonna. I,
0: <laughs> I think I think I have one where like the game glitched and she fell down a ladder well and she just died. <laughs> and you know, and obviously you know games games aren't perfect. Those things happen. <laughs> Um, you know, stuff like that's you know notorious in like Bethesda games and and other big AAA games. So it wasn't something that I was like, I can't believe they had this glitch. Um, but it was just kind of like, oh, you got to be shitting me. But you know, this was also the first game that didn't have uh, ink ribbon saving, right? So um, it kind of moves away from that slow burn survival horror feel of the first three, where you can only save if you have an ink ribbon for the typewriter. You have very limited ammo. Um, and if you run out of ammo, now you have to fight off zombies with a knife, and oh, by the way, it's very ineffective, um, to now you're in Resident Evil 4, ammo is way more plentiful, you get a bunch of different weapons, your knife uh, works really well, Leon also can do like roundhouse kicks and shit, so it turns into a bit more of an action game in this one, um, and it found that right mix, where everyone still really liked it. But, yeah, and that was, and, I, I and, fit
1: in that. Uh, I fit in that because to me, you know, growing right. up, especially with, you know, not being able to save when you could, not having enough ammo, to me, it's, ammo was such a biggie. I was never even at the point, to which was like, shit, I'm out of ammo. Therefore, I'm just running around. I'm just screwed, right? Right. So to me, Resident Evil 4 was like a perfect mix of like, okay, I can do this, even though I was still not able to do it. <laughs> but again, right. me to be able to, to beat the game and actually fully enjoy it to its full potential. But like you mentioned, it actually started to turn more into an action game rather than a horror survival game at that point. But it was still yeah. a sweet spot.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's it's pretty cool to, at this point, they start kind of mixing in some, some other kind of uh, style games. They start doing some motion controls with the Wii. Uh, so they released a couple of rail shooters. Uh, if you're not familiar with rail shooters, uh, what I mean by that is Uh, Games where they put you on a set track, uh, very arcade style, where your character continually progresses uh, without you moving them. And you just basically point and shoot at what's on the screen. Uh, So if you ever played like uh, Time Crisis or any of those uh, types of arcade games, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about when I say uh, when I'm talking about games like uh, the Umbrella Chronicles or uh, I think Revelations is another one that is similar where the game's just on a rail. It just it goes from point A to point B and you shoot everything in between um but it's a kind of they use those to also catch you up on story you might have missed but I like i said um they're not really you don't have to because they have the umbrella chronicles and the dark side yeah. chronicles and they are on the wii but they predate if i remember correctly the wii motion plus so because of that if oh. you remember you know using a Mote before the wii motion plus it was very sketch uh and this is no different especially you know, when you're trying to shoot zombies on the screen before they get you, uh, it can be kind of difficult. Um, but, you know, fun still. It, it kind of, it harkens back to a lot, right, with the Nintendo, uh, that duck hunt feel, that light gun feel. Of course, it's a little bit different because it is, Wii, you know, the Wii motion sensor. Um, but, of course, you know, you have to worry about where your Wii motion sensor is on your TV. You have to plan for that accordingly, How you're going to hold your gun. You know, it's just, I don't know. It wasn't for me. Some people really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> motion controls for most people. It's like, oh, nightmare.
0: Yeah, take, take it or leave it, right? Um, yeah. You
1: know,
0: and and, and I'm sure it, we'll probably do an episode at some point, Sandy, on, on motion controls and, uh, you know, where that leads us to from from the past to the present and, and with VR and all that going forward. But, um, you know, it all started really, I think, uh, as far as home entertainment goes with the light gun um, and using it on uh, Duck Hunt.
1: And that wasn't even, that was just like a little sensor inside the gun, right? It was some archaic technology, but it just made us yeah, feel like we were in control.
0: Yeah, the way it works was basically you when you pull the trigger, everything blinks out on the screen except for the item that's supposed to be shot. So when you pull the trigger, mm-hmm. it blanks everything on the screen except for, say, the clay pigeon that you're trying to shoot or duck, depending on what game you're playing, what mode you're playing. And if the sensor in the gun... Had, was one-to-one with what you were aiming at, um, then it would count, register the hit. And since it was only sensing light from the screen, um, there's people that would, you know, demonstrate hacks where you could literally just point it at a light bulb and pull the trigger and it would count as a hit. So, you know, <laughs> it. but, you know, for the time, for the 80s, it was, it was the best they oh could do. Oh, my
1: God. It was the best thing ever. (laughs)
0: Right. So uh, moving on, like I said, so Resident Evil starts to turn into more of that uh, that action style game. And that's none more prevalent um, than when we get to Resident Evil 5. Um, I don't have much to say about Resident Evil 5. Um, It comes out four years after Resident Evil 4. Everyone was super hyped about it. There's all kinds of memes that were generated. This is like early meme days, right? 2009, 2010. Um, and there was all kinds of memes about the, you know, because the protagonist, Chris Redfield, uh, at one point is literally punching a boulder to make it move. Um, and it is the most ridiculous shit you've ever seen in a video game. Oh, no. Um, definitely I did going, not
1: play this one.
0: It, yeah, I played it. Um, it was met with a lot of criticism, too, um, because... Um, it, it does have you shooting, um, zombies in Africa. And because of that, you know, the zombies are, they're not as zombie like as they are early in the earlier games, right? That started with Resident Evil 4. It's a different kind of virus that's kind of going on. Um, and so there's a lot of backlash, a lot of, uh, accusations of, um, of racism and different things like that, that occurred from the production of this game. Um, because you are shooting uh just hundreds of black zombies. Uh, to be blunt about it. Um mm-hmm. you know, there <laughs> there's there's two sides to that conversation. Um I don't know that we're the podcast to tackle that. Uh, but needless to say, Resident Evil five was kind of met with um a lot of mixed reaction. And it wasn't just because of that, it was because, man, is this even a survival horror game anymore? There I mean you're there's entire shootout scenes that are played out in broad daylight, which does not feel like Resident oh. Evil at all.
1: No. With Resident Evil, it's, it's the darkness. It's the grittiness. It's that you don't know... When you have to adjust your settings on your TV to the darkest level to so make sure you adapt to that creepiness. Exactly. You know, what's around the corner? What's coming through the window? What's this and that? Yeah, <laughs> it's right. completely taken away if you're playing in broad daylight. Like, it's like a whole different game.
0: Right. You know, it, it's a stark contrast where... I can play that game at any given time. It doesn't bother me. I'm just running through. I'm shooting the, the creatures. I'm shooting to this. And like when I played the original Resident Evil remake on the GameCube, and I was playing it at like 2 a.m. at a buddy's house, and a zombie. There's a there's like a uh, early on there's a bathroom uh, in the first game where you go in and you interact with the bathtub, and it shows like a cutscene where like you go in and like you move the shower curtain and a zombie comes out. Right. So oh my God. <laughs> we didn't have ammo when we encountered it the first time. So we're like, okay, we're just leaving that there. Right. So we just leave the bathroom and we're just like, pff, all right, we're good to go. So we just go, and we're playing like four hours go by, you know, eventually everything in the mansion gets pretty uh, connected. You're kind of moving through the spots that you started the game with. And we forgot, you know, where we were. We run past this door. I shit you not. Four <laughs> hours after we left this dude in this bathroom, he burst the door open, and we absolutely lost our shit. We woke up, my friend's parents. <laughs> they were pissed. We were just, like, screaming, like, ah! Like, because, you know, we were 12-year-old, 13-year-old kids sitting there at 2 in the morning after playing for hours and complete forgetting that. Like, we just, like, oh, this is a hallway we've, we've been in before. Just keep going, right? And we were both, like, player and non-player. Like, we were just both sitting there going, like, ah! And like... But, but that, but that can't happen in Resident Evil 5 because you don't retrace your steps. You go through daylight, and you, I mean, this, the puzzles are just basically non-existent. So it was not a great release, met with some mixed reviews, and they didn't fix it for Resident Evil 6. Resident Evil 6 takes on a, and I don't know how familiar you are with this one, Sandy, uh, but basically this is the PS3, Xbox 360 era. And you you have basically like we talked about we started seeing okay there's a virus in Spain there's a virus in Africa that Chris Redfield uh, encounters and now with Resident Evil 6 we see that it is completely global um, a large portion of it uh, I believe takes place in China um, there's stuff that takes place in Europe there's stuff it's all over the place um, and you play uh, as there's three different playable characters i want to say if i recall correctly and they're actually three separate stories and each story has its own secondary character also so they really tried to blow this out big and do a huge global thing um and it's the lowest rated uh numerical release of resident evil
1: oh it I just... do remember when this one came out, it felt like they were just kind of trying to, to make up for their disappointment that was with resident evil five. So they tried to go back to the roots of what right. they, what resident evil was known for, but it was just so convoluted. They did too much. It was yeah. just all over the place. And, and when it comes to the mechanics the storyline what they were trying to accomplish the story that they were trying to tell. And that's the one part that I remember from resident evil six when I
0: played it. Very yeah. Good. Yeah. And, and, you know to that point like okay so like leon is one of the characters you can control leon's story plays very traditional resident evil you're inside buildings there's zombies uh, around every corner you feel overwhelmed because you don't have as much ammo and then you play as chris redfield and it's resident evil 5 part 2 it's just unlimited ammo basically in certain spots there's giant i mean 30 foot tall monsters that you're running around shooting it doesn't feel like it feels completely different than anything that you've ever played, and it's not in a good way.
1: And you know what? To me, when it when you know when we when we find out that the virus mutated and they start to explain where these giant monsters are coming from, even even in the movies, you know, to me, right. one of my favorite movies is the first Resident Evil. That movie to me was just absolutely perfect. I can go back and rewatch it ever so often because. To me, it was just such a simple story. Like, this is the outbreak. These are how quickly it spreads. You're in one location. You have one group trying to survive it, trying to figure it out. And then, of course, you have the storyline of, okay, who let this virus out? Very simple storytelling. Even, like, when it comes to wrestling, sometimes keeping it simple, sometimes keeping it just straightforward, it ends up giving you the best story. And that's what that first movie was. When you start getting into the later movies and, you know, you see – just these monstrosities coming about. The virus was mutated. Now it can cause <laughs> all of these creatures. And they look like aliens more so than zombies. And right. it just became this convoluted mess to me. So to me, you know, you have Resident Evil 2. You have the original Resident Evil movie. That, to me, the horror survival game of Resident Evil kind of compacts too but then you get into all this other mess and it just yeah
0: i and and and, you know resident evil 6 was the last thing that i got resident evil wise i didn't buy resident evil 7 when it came out i was disappointed by 6 i was disappointed by 5 i felt like they weren't ever really going to recapture what was going on and so we're actually hitting a resident evil game that you played sandy that i didn't um so you know break down kind of you know for us here you know kind of where, where where we pivoted to with uh resident evil 7
1: So resident evil 7 to me i still don't understand the story because we're like in i can't even oh man i just remember being so freaking scared if you haven't played it josh definitely i i would recommend playing it because to me it really got back to the basics of A horror game rather than doing too much like with five doing too much like with six and but it still didn't feel necessarily like a resident evil game to me just because of how how the virus i guess had evolved in a sense to me i was like is this even still about zombies and the virus or what's what's actually going on here and i'm still kind of confused about that to be honest but i just remember i played it this is the one where i said i had to put on disney music right and the tv was all the way to the brightness it was a beautiful game i love the pu- the puzzles with it the adventure side of it i really really enjoyed it's a very smart game the way they they mixed it in with the the mansion location and then the god it was like in a what was that called i can't even recall to be honest it, it to me it's, it was like louisiana like in a freaking
0: kind of a bayou kind of feel
1: yeah, the bayou—that's the word I was thinking of. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. So you had <laughs> a couple of different locations, and the puzzle is very smart. The the battle to me, it felt clean. There was just—I think I quit when the mother of the family that you're kind of encountering here turns into this freaking monster that looked like a like a giant cockroach of some sort. Oh my god, it was freaking wild i couldn't play anymore and of course this also got ruined for me because my friend made me play it on the vr for a little while oh no uh, do not play these games on the vr i <laughs> wanted to cry and pee my pants like imagine you being like submerged in person in this game like that is the last game that you would want to be in a vr setting so that you're you're actually seeing these creatures and it's yeah. dark and creepy and they put the freaking noise cancelling headphones on me too i was a wreck i played for like two minutes i was like i'm done and i just went back into the trailer uh it, it was just so terrifying I, you know there's a little safe safe area in the trailer where you know nothing can really happen to you and i left there i walked a few something came at me and i immediately just turned around and went back in. I was like, no, that's two minutes, too much VR. Nope, this is too scary. And I was not able to finish the game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, I, I don't really, I don't dabble much in VR. Um, just as you know, we're both glasses wearers. Um, I'm not a contacts person. Oh, yeah. I can't do contacts. I can't touch my own eyes. It's a weird thing I have. Uh, so basically, anytime I do anything uh, that requires me to not have my glasses, I just kind of say, well. I can see good enough. Um, but that doesn't really work with VR. VR you kinda have to be able to see uh, you know, everything. Um, so if I ever work up the courage to uh to put in contacts, maybe I'll I'll dabble with VR. But VR is not for me right now. I tried to put on an Oculus and the the person uh the Oculus sales rep said, Oh yeah, it'll go over your glasses, no problem. Um and then I broke my glasses in the store. So <laughs> it, it oh, was no. not <laughs> Yeah. That person felt very, very, very bad, and I was like, "Listen, man, I, I've been needing new glasses. It's not a big deal." Like, but uh, I'm sure that person was like, "Oh my God, this person's gonna complain. I'm gonna get fired. I'm gonna, I'm so screwed." Aww. But you know, we we've both worked retail. Uh, you
1: know, I yeah, it's, we're, we're never.
0: <laughs> I'm, I I know it does same thing like. I you know, if I go to like Publix and I ask the person, like, if I go to the deli. And it's like that closing hour. I know, first of all, like they hate every facet of me being there. So I'm going to be like super nice because I worked at Subway. That was my first job. And I know like oh. I'm trying to break down things. I'm trying to put things away, I'm trying to prep for the next morning. And then that customer comes in and orders seven sandwiches. I will oh, never, be, like, that I will never be that oh, person. I will never be that person. Oh, I I I just, no. <laughs> I ordered one sandwich and it wasn't even for me tonight. It was, it was for Colleen. And, and it was like, Nine o'clock and they close at ten, and I was like, I'm so sorry for being here, and I'm really sorry for being up. And they're like, Oh you're what time is it? I'm like, Oh, it's like eight fifty-eight, and they're like, Oh, you're nowhere near to, to the worst person that we've ever had. I'm like, But you didn't say I wasn't bad, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. I would have been like, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I was like, It's gonna be super easy, I promise. Uh, but anyways, uh only one <laughs> other uh, numerical game to talk about with the Resident Evil series, and it hasn't come out yet. It's one of the big launch titles for the PS5 and uh, the Xbox Series X, and that is Resident Evil Village, uh, which we've learned is Resident Evil 8. Did you watch this trailer yet, Sandy?
1: I have not. I literally just found out about it today when I was trying to recap my, my Resident Evil memory.
0: So it is, when I was watching the PlayStation launch event, um, they they showed this trailer without any introduction telling us what it was. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, there's like werewolves, there's like creepy ladies. And I'm just like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like a a new survival horror game. And then, uh, at the end they have the splash title where it shows where it writes village. And then the, the V, the I and the two L's turn yellow. And then it says resident evil underneath it. So resident evil eight village, um, is the new game that is coming out um i'm interested to see kind of if it goes back it looks like it's a little bit more uh survival horror um the early the early hands-on that people have been seeing uh they say it reminds them a lot more of resident evil 4 um mm-hmm. so fingers crossed um and we'll see how that one goes and this to me so i'll have to watch the trailer
1: but from what i'm bringing about it directly of course it's you know the numerical release directly after Resident Evil 7 Biohazard so it has to a little bit from that plot that we see there I still need to go back and and finish that game and see how that ties in with uh, Chris Redfield and the Umbrella Corporation because to me it was just like holy shit some crazy shit went down here in uh, Louisiana and this family is just (laughs) possessed more than anything (laughs) when I was playing it I was like what the hell Because, again, they don't look like your typical zombies that you think, okay, Resident Evil zombies. It's it's gotten more into the whole, like it says, like biohazard, where it's like, okay, you're not going to turn into just a zombie and you're not just doing this anymore. It's it's something more. It's this virus that's evolving that's causing all types of havoc in the world. So, Josh, you need to go back and play biohazard because I thought that was such a really well done game and i need to replay it and actually finish it this time and we need to get ready for resident evil village oh i'm excited
0: yeah that'll be good yeah and, and i do need to go back and play that one it is actually currently right now uh, on playstation now so if you have a playstation now subscription uh they added it for the month of october i think it's going to be slated to be on there until through january i want to say uh, which probably takes us through the release of village um yeah i mean i am excited to see kind of uh, where the series goes uh, I know we've talked a little bit about kind of like, you know, looking at the, the cultural impact that Resident Evil had, you know, you mentioned the movies, there's been like the animes that have come over uh, that are more, you know, stylized with, you know, um, with Leon and Claire and, and different characters uh, from, from the pre- previous games. Um, you know, I, I think because of Resident Evil, we were able to see other games, other horror games really be successful. Um, we saw, you know, another big contributor that was the Silent Hill franchise, um, which I don't know that we'll cover that in depth. I'm not too familiar with that whole series. I played a couple of them. Um, but you know, I think we can suffice to say that they played a huge part too, uh, of that survival horror uh, genre. Uh, but Resident Evil to me kind of almost served as a revival, you know, pun intended, uh, of the zombie genre, um, in our popular uh, culture here.
1: 100%, you know, from there, we have countless of zombie movies, um, you know, the Resident Evil movies that we discussed earlier, but not only that, but, you know, you get into The Walking Dead, you get for yeah. for a good 10 years there, zombies was all that we would ever talk about. And they were the ones who were the most successful when it comes to video games. I am thinking of one right now. I don't know if you ever played it, Josh, Zombie U, the the zombie horror movie the Wii U.
0: I did not play that one. Um I had friends that did and liked it, and that was actually a Wii U launch title if memory serves.
1: It was, and it was a, a brand new IP for Nintendo going into into um into this genre of video games for the release for the Wii U. And I I was one of those geeks outside in 2012 in line for the midnight launch of the <laughs> Wii U. <laughs> and I had my and I got it with a zombie U. That game. It is tough, and I thought they did such a great job, and it, and it really took you back to the first and second Resident Evil where you're just there on your own, no ammo, no nothing, shit out of luck, good luck, survive. And that's right. exactly, and it, it was such a good, it was a very well-made game, well, well game, and for those few of us that did actually buy it and enjoyed it, it was top-notch, and of course, it's really sad that not a lot of people got to really... Um, witness and 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 kind of explore that game because you know the the mishaps that the wii u had but it was such a fun game and you know they they gave it their all with that but pop yeah. uh, pop culture with zombies it, it blew up
0: well you know too I, and and i don't think nintendo is willing to re uh re touch that franchise i I think you know zombie U is going to be kind of a thing of the past and where it is and if you want to play it you're going to have to buy the uh, wii u disc um, but, you know, I think about games, too, like The Last of Us. Um, I don't know that a game like The Last of Us it gets greenlit as a AAA title um, if we don't have, you know, 20 years before that of Resident Evil games. Um, I mean, you think about it, we, we're coming up on 25 years of Resident Evil. Uh, we'll hit that in March, um, which is, is something that is kind of mind-blowing that, you know, we're talking about, oh, yeah, you know, Mario's been around for 35 years. Next year is 35 years of Zelda. Well, we're coming up on 25 years of Resident Evil, um, which is, uh, to me, a really remarkable thing in and of itself. Because, uh, you know, horror genre games aren't supposed to continue to last that long. We've seen Silent Hills not making new games. uh, Any of the other ones, you know, Fatal Frame had a couple of games. But these are kind of onesie, twosie, and they just kind of, they're done. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. it speaks volumes to the investment that Capcom has made in that story. Um, they've had some games that we didn't touch on that weren't as successful games like, uh, you know, Operation Raccoon City, where they tried to give you a different angle of, you know, being the bad guy, being a member of Umbrella Corp and doing, you know, it was a time where squad based, uh, you know, Rainbow Six style uh, shooters were very popular. So I don't blame them for trying to do something like that. Um, but you know, for the most part, these games are very successful. They're very well made. They receive critical success and also, you know, consumer consumers love them too. Um, the gamers, you know, anytime a Resident Evil game comes out, we'd flock to them. Um, so, you know, I, I look for, for more good things in the future, uh, as 25 years of Resident Evil, uh, comes 25 years,
1: I can't believe it. I honestly, when I was reading about that too, I was like, has it been 25 years already? And my mind was kind of blown a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you talk about the, the, the game series that have been around since 96, I mean, how many are left? How many are still making games in that same series from 96? I mean, you see Mario, you see Zelda, um, Metroid, Castlevania sometimes. uh, It comes out with some stuff, but we haven't seen a Metroid game in a long time. We haven't seen a Castlevania game in a long time. Um, But we still get Resident Evil on a pretty regular release schedule, uh, at least as frequent as we're getting Zelda and Mario games. So um, pretty remarkable for a third-party publisher. Um, I'm looking forward to, like I said, to see what kind of what happens next. Um, but before we get away from uh, from this episode here, Sandy, uh, what do we got what do we got uh, wrestling wise? Uh, I know you had, you had a wrestling show you wanted to promote?
1: I do. So wrestling's been a little bit quiet. Now we do because of the pandemic. Now we are seeing some independent shows kind of getting back out there and decipher how we're gonna put on shows for for the audience and then being the safest possible. Tampa Bay Pro, we're not quite there yet. Unfortunately, the building that we've run out of is a government building, so they haven't opened their doors just yet. We're trying to find alternatives, but for now, we're actually putting uh, older shows that we have done um, on the Fight TV app. So if you have that, make sure you download it. These are absolutely free shows. You can also go to on a computer, Fight.tv or of course, if you have like a browser on your PlayStation, on your Xbox, I know that's what I use, my Xbox, and I just put in there Fight TV on the browser. Um, We have a free show. It actually just dropped yesterday, Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling Episode 20. It's one hour of action featuring um, the origin of the Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. We have a great Fatal 4 with Troy Hollywood, David Mercury, which is actually one of the coaches from the Lethal Academy. He's Great technical wrestlers uh, versus Ryan Ocean and Rhett Giddens. We have a great battle between Hunter Law and Brandon Law. And a tag team showcase between the American Outlaws and the Dirty Blondes. If you haven't seen the Dirty Blondes before, definitely check out their matches. They are so great. They're so fun to watch uh, live. So definitely, definitely check that show out. We have it available on Fight TV for absolutely free definitely check that out and give us a, a good rating. And hopefully we'll be able to put on more shows on there for you guys. And hopefully we can get back to having live shows. Maybe you guys can come see us or we'll have more content out for you on Fight TV.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, kind of like you said, there's not as much uh, independent wrestling to promote. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, the warrior wrestling stuff was really good. Um, but I'm going to go a, kind of a different angle and talk about the video games I played this week. Um, and I actually, uh, this is not a new game um so to speak but it is a game that was removed uh from the servers and then completely put back together and then relaunched um that was final fantasy 14 online um Mm -hmm. i have started playing it for the first time this week um and it's because the complete edition including the most recent uh, expansion pack uh everything was like 30 bucks um so i was like well i can't pass on that so um it, i'm not a huge mmo person i played world of warcraft for about two months maybe three um and i said man i can't i just can't do this i don't have i don't have the time for this right i don't um it's especially like a minute, man, dude. It, it really is and so i had heard that final fantasy 14 was a little bit more user-friendly to kind of jump in jump out um and i gotta be honest with you, at first first week playing it it's I am completely getting lost into it. I have a Lancer. Um, Nolan helped me design my character when I first made it. So, uh, oh, you know, my four-year-old, he's like, I want you to make it look like me as much as possible. I'm like, okay, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Um,
1: <laughs> he's so cute.
0: Yeah, he's, he's a funny kid. Um, so, you know, we he likes to kind of sit on my lap while I play it. And it's really, you know, too, like if I'm trying to, like – if, if I want to pick up a controller and play something in the middle of the day while I'm working, like, that can be difficult, right? Like, you have to constantly pause, you have to do this, that. Well, I mean, with Final Fantasy XIV, it's logged in. If I'm not in a spot where there's actively, you know, enemies attacking me, and by the way, you can't pause because it's an MMO, you're on a live server. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just park yourself where there's no enemies, uh, and then you just put the controller down, you do your work that you got to do, and then when you're waiting for the next batch of work to come in, you pick up the controller, you go... You know, knock out a quest or two. And I think, uh, I want to say, like, because I didn't technically start my subscription yet. I think the free-to-play version has a level cap of 35. Um, and I've hit level 20 already in four days. So, yeah, yeah I played kind of a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Colin's like, Colin's like, if I have to have an intervention with you about this game, it's not going to go well for you. <laughs> and I'm like, you won't. Oh, no. You won't. I promise. I promise um so uh, yeah so i've barely played it at all today um and it's you know we're we're recording late because this is what we do i'm probably not gonna jump on it but i might walk past the playstation and have other thoughts i don't know uh, but you know if you if you uh if you're <laughs> like me and you're not a big mmo guy or, or gal i uh, definitely check that one out
1: i may have to i got some free time oh yeah okay. i'm mean, super lost in it
0: yeah like, so i can't mean, do
1: the it, podcast i'm busy
0: yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so uh, what do you want to record? Uh, listen, uh, I got a raid going on right now.
1: Um,
0: why don't you just uh, you do that thing where you talk too much, Josh, and everyone will be happy with it. Just do it. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, anywho, um, that's our show this week. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in again. Uh, make sure that you check out all the podcasts on the Social SuperX Podcast Network. Uh, check out one Nation Radio. Uh, James had a really good episode this week uh, as his co-host uh, and our friend Rich Lotta got married. Uh, so James uh, rocked a solo show, uh, which I can't imagine doing. Um, I, I like to bounce off uh, of people and have conversations. Yeah. Uh, but he, he did a great job. Uh, make sure you check out the Ricky and Clive show. Um, Keeping a Strong Style. Grown watched Watch the Shit. The Grave Consequences podcast. All Things Elite. Um, you know, all kinds of great content on the network. You'll get your wrestling fix from uh, anybody. We cover pretty much everything, uh, every major promotion uh, for the most part worldwide. Um, we even have, you know, Ricky and Clive, uh, you know, overseas. So, you know, it's, we get, we get a pretty well-rounded uh, wrestling experience here on the social super podcast network. We're happy to bring it to you every week. We got a show for every day of the week. Make sure you subscribe, uh, hit those five stars, leave us a review. Um, both on the uh, network feed and also on our show feed. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Podbean. Uh, I haven't found one that we're not on yet, Sandy. Have you? <laughs> I have not. We're everywhere. Everywhere, including Pro com slash social suplex. Definitely check that out. Um, you follow us on Twitter at 8 Uh, You can follow our uh, network at Social Suplex. Um, And then that's also on Instagram and Facebook. And then uh, you can follow me at Laughlin underscore Joshua. And then you can follow Sandy at Sailor Zelda. And that's on all your social media, right, Sandy? That's just on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at Sandy
1: Gavaria. And don't forget, guys, you can win some good free stuff, some cool geeky stuff. If you reach out to us and let us know or give us suggestions as to what video game talk- topics we should cover for our following episodes. So we have lots of uh, free goodies that you can win. Hit us up on our social medias, like Josh just said, or hit, up, hit us up on the email as well.
0: Yeah. And that email address is, of course, 8 Um And uh, without further ado, uh, for Sandy Gaviria, I am Josh McLaughlin. And uh, when you go down that long hallway – Make sure to check for liquors.
1: Damn liquors. Bye, guys. Thank you so
0: much. (laughs) Bye.